Hey, man. Hey. How was your weekend? Ah, it was dumb. One of my friends wanted to watch wrestling. Oh my god, that stuff is terrible. I, I can't handle it anymore. The acting is so bad. Roman Reigns can barely put together a sentence. And it's so fake. Big Show doesn't know how to sell. Honestly, I feel embarrassed for those writers. Yeah, how do you not have Daniel Bryan win the Rumble? And they totally squandered Miz and Mizdow. The endings are predetermined, so why would anyone watch it? Whoever Vince wants to win is gonna go over whether or not they have bad heat. Mm, yeah, those fans have to be complete idiots. Yeah, how do you start a Cena sucks chant after that amazing triple threat with Rollins and Lesnar? I'm sure all those wrestlers are on steroids. Bret Hart talks a lot about that in his book. They treat women like sex objects. Total Divas went downhill after season two. It promotes blind nationalism. Sergeant Slaughter, Lex Luger, Jack Swagger. And it's violent. Tommy Dreamer, Sabu, Mikey Whipwreck. Hey, but you know what, whatever. It's not like anyone watches wrestling anymore anyway, right? Yeah, uh, that'll be true soon enough. WWE is making the same mistakes WCW made in the late 90s. They've got a locker room full of young talent that is over with the crowd, and they're burying them in favor of old timers and guys who rub elbows with management. Back in Vince Russo era WCW, you had Kevin Nash burying Rey Mysterio. Now we've got Big Show burying Dolph Ziggler. I mean, WCW let Eddie Guerrero and Chris Jericho slip through their fingertips. Are we going to see the same thing here with Daniel Bryan and Dean Ambrose? They need to start listening to the crowd again. That's what made Stone Cold Steve Austin a babyface. That's what made The Rock a star. If they continue to neglect their fan base, we could very well see World Wrestling Entertainment go the way of World Championship Wrestling. It's Eric Bischoff all over again. Wait a minute. You like wrestling. Of course I like wrestling. That's why I hate it. Wrestling fans, are you ready? Yes, 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 yes. For the thousands in attendance, and the millions watching around the world. Uh, let's get ready to rumble! Stupid idiot. Shut your mouth, you thong-wearing fatty! Party's over, Grandpa. Kane was there! Kane was there, too! Yeah! No enhancement needed. This ain't Monday Night Raw! This fight's right! It's Wrestle Rant Radio. was that clip? It was from a video called Why Wrestling Fans Hate Wrestling. It was uploaded to College Humor's YouTube channel about two, two and a half years ago. And even all these years later, I still laugh my ass off listening to it because it's so fucking true. Wrestling fans are the biggest detractors of wrestling. But at any rate, guys, the reason I aired that clip was because the wrestling fan you heard in that video, he's a former College Humor writer named Brian Murphy. He's going to be one of the stars in the all-new show debuting on Pop TV this coming Wednesday, November 8th at 8 o'clock Eastern, 7 Central Time. It's an awesome new show. You can check out sneak peeks of it on the College Humor YouTube channel. They've been uploading them for months now. He'll be on WrestleRant Radio here today to talk the inspiration behind the show, his endeavors outside of College Humor. And as you could probably tell from that brief clip, He's a wrestling fan. He's a diehard wrestling fan. He's talking about his favorite wrestlers of all time, favorite match of all time, going to his first ever live event, working with Mick Foley in The Miz on various endeavors, as well as why you should be watching Hot Day every Wednesday night instead of NXT. It's an awesome conversation. He was a really, really cool guy to talk to. You're going to love it. Before we get to that, I should formally introduce myself. I am Graham Giusa Matthews. You are listening to WrestleRant Radio for November 2nd, 2017, hopefully in the Apple Podcast app. I was very excited to announce yesterday on social media that for the first time ever, 
Every WrestleRant radio episode dating back to the show's debut in October of 2013 is now available through iTunes, including the new ones. So if you subscribe to the show today, get this, you will get the new episodes as soon as they're uploaded. Literally within seconds, you will get the new episode uploaded to your streaming device, whether it be your phone, your iPad, whatever. You will get it within seconds. So it is now easier than ever to listen to WrestleRant radio. So what are you waiting for? Be sure to subscribe to the show right now on iTunes. You can rate the show. You can review the show. All these other great things. I appreciate that. But above all else, subscribe. It makes life easier for you as opposed to, you know, going to the website nextairwrestling.net and checking out the show that way. You can still do that. The show will still be uploaded to nextairwrestling.net. But it's a lot easier. It's a lot more convenient to check out the show through iTunes by subscribing on the Apple Podcast app. You will get every new episode from here on out, including the entire archived library of WrestleRant Radio. Cool stuff, right? Well, it's about to get cooler. In addition to my exclusive interview with Hot Tate's own Brian Murphy, talking everything about the show and his thoughts on the current WWE product, I'll be breaking down the slew of WWE and Impact Wrestling releases that have taken place over the past week, my predictions for Sunday's Impact Wrestling Bound for Glory pay-per-view, news on Raw's 25th anniversary show, emanating from Brooklyn's Barclays Center and New York City's Manhattan Center, exciting stuff there, and of course my various thoughts on the latest episodes of Raw, SmackDown Live, and NXT. Here's what you guys can expect from the premiere of Hot Date this coming Wednesday, November 8th on Pop TV at 8 p.m. Eastern, 7 Central. Emily, it's impolite not to listen to a man when he's talking about his high school friends. I'm sorry, I'm just a little distracted. What's up? I think my grandpa might pass away soon. Oh my God, what happened? Well, um, while I was driving here, I got a text from my mom saying grandpa wasn't feeling well. Then I heard a bang, and when I looked up, all I could see was him rolling off the hood of my car. So, like, you imagined that happening because you were emotional? What do you, did, you didn't uh, hit, hit your grandpa and kill him with your car? No. Kid. He was alive last I saw. Hello? Hey, is this Brian? Yeah. Hey, what's going on, man? It's Graham. How you doing? Great. How are you? Doing good, doing good. So I've been wanting to talk to you for a while now, but I know with the new show coming up and watching all the teasers on College Humor, I just wanted to talk a bit about that if you had the time. Yeah, man, for sure. Awesome. So what do, what you have got going on these days? Obviously, the show debuts on Pop TV in a couple months, but uh, what else have you been doing to keep yourself busy? Oh, man, uh, the show's kept us super busy. Uh, Emily and I are, um, like, the head writers on it, so... Mm-hmm. We were writing while we were shooting over the summer, um, and we shot until, like, August 20th, and then since then we've just been in post. We've been going to the um, post-production office every day and sitting in on edits and all that, so I'll be doing that after I get off the phone here. Oh, okay, okay. Well, I know the show debuted. I remember seeing the show for the first time and commenting you on it, or complimenting you on it a number of months ago, like at the start of this year, around Valentine's Day. And that kind of started out as a YouTube show. At what point did it turn into what it's eventually going to become as a television show this November? Um, well, actually, we, um, I think we, I'm trying to remember our whole history here. It's, it's funny. It, it, like, went all over the place. We first pitched it, um, as like a sketch show based on just like the regular sketches that Emily and I had done mm-hmm. at College Humor and we were writing 
a pilot for the network because they had um, picked up like a pilot order based on just the idea. Um, and just kind of in the meantime, while we were writing, we're like, oh, we haven't filmed anything in a while. It had a, it had been a few months. I wasn't full-time at College Humor anymore. I think Emily at the time wasn't full-time. Um, we, we just kind of wrote the web series in the meantime. And weirdly enough, we, we were writing the pilot for the show, and then the web series came after that. So in a weird way, the show kind of came before the web series. What was the inspiration behind the show? Uh, I think, I mean, Emily and I like to play, you know, we like to play big characters um, where we can do ridiculous things, but we also like to play ourselves and, um, you know, tackle things that people face in relationships and things that are relatable to us. So the show follows us playing a version of ourselves and kind of follows like a narrative through the night, like on like a, that's why it's called Hot Date, it's like a date night, and it cuts to us playing other characters throughout the city, so it's kind of, you know, utilizing all of the skills we picked up at College Humor, and um, kind of getting to do everything that we like to do all in one place. So you mentioned College Humor there for a second, you guys were there for a long time, dating back many years, I remember watching episodes of Jake and Amir that you guys were in for maybe five, six, seven years ago, maybe even further than that, uh, what was your history with College Humor and being a part of them, and what went into your absence, or rather your departure from the company a little while later on? Uh, I was, I started at College Humor, it was my first job out of college, Wow. I started there when I was, yeah, I started there when I was 22, mm-hmm. and I, I worked at the front desk, and I kind of just um, wrote like editorial articles and stuff in in my spare time. And I worked with um, Stuart Seidel really helped me out. Um, Dan Gerwich really helped me out. Sarah Schneider, all those kind of like uh, the cast members that were there. And they were in all the videos when I first got there. And um, yeah, I was I w- I started an editorial. Kind of bounced around. I started an editorial. Then I went to uh, runningdorkly.com, the video game site, and I was there for like another year or two, and then I got moved over to full-time sketch writer. I think that was in 2011. Wow, so you guys and had... I did that. Oh, sorry, go ahead. Oh, yeah, no worries. Um, I did that from 2011 until like 2015 when um, College Humor sold... Uh, the middle of the night show to MTV and then I was host to that. Mm-hmm. So I left. So I've pretty much been consistently working for College Humor because we did that show and we're working on this show. So I've kind of been like freelance for them more or less. So you said you started out working for College Humor as a writer. At what point did you, when you initially joined College Humor, did you ever any aspirations of being on camera at all? Because of course, knowing you and Emily and, and the characters you play on the shows and whatnot, on Hot Date, you guys are very over the top characters, and it's very fun to watch. At any point, were you aspiring to be on the camera, or was it just kind of something that happened over time? Uh, it's de- it's something I wanted really bad. <laughs> like when I <laughs> when I started, I really really wanted to be in videos, mm-hmm. and um. I was lucky that I was there at the time I was because if you if you go back and you watch like Hardly Workings or whatever from like 2009 or 2010, if I'm in them, I'm really bad in them. <laughs> and it took me like, to, like I'm kind of, I kind of had to learn 
in front of a lot of people. Like I didn't, I, I didn't have much sketch or acting experience or anything. So whereas, you know, I think a lot of people may have learned to be a good comedic actor by like, you know, being in an improv group in college or something. I, I, you know, had to learn that all at College Humor, like on video for a lot of people. So that was hard, but at the same time, it was so nice that I was there at the company at a time when like, you know, if they're shooting a Hardly Working or they're shooting a sketch in the office, they might just come grab a random person, like, and I could get to be in it. But now it's, it's much more like, it's much more professional. Like there is a cast and everyone who's in the cast are like really great writers and performers. And it's, you know, it's more like a TV show. Back in the day, it was like you had your main people. They were all really good. But then you might just go grab an intern and he might just be in the sketch with you. And that's kind of how I got to be on camera. What was the inspiration behind your character? Just being super crazy. A lot of people who have watched the College Humor videos from, like you said, Hardly Working, Jake and Amir, shows like that, must remember you and your over-the-top character. Was that kind of like yourself turned up to an 11, or is that just an exterior character, something else you've had in mind for a while that just kind of came through when you were doing the shows? I think that that happened because um, there was... Uh, what was that Hardly Working? There was one where, like... David Young has, like, a niece. He has, like, a baby picture or something. Mm -hmm. And um, everybody's talking about how the baby seems smug. And then I think I come in at the end and I freak out. And uh, that was just... Uh, I think that part was just, like, written for me that I would just come and freak out. And I think Amir thought it was funny. Uh, and so he just started writing me into Jake and Amir's being, like, a lunatic. So that was that was more... <laughs> Jake and Amir, honestly, than me. Mm -hmm. um, they were really, they were really into um, the kind of uh, freakout thing and the um, bullying joke thing. <laughs> Now, I know a few years ago as well that College Humor had, had moved its bases from New York to Los Angeles. At, at least that was what had been going on with the shows and whatnot. I, I wasn't too sure about that process. Were you a part of the move-in, or were you already gone by from College Humor by that point? No, we um, we all moved out together. That was in, um, I'm trying to think what year. I think it was 2013. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I was still, I was with the company full-time until like 2015. Oh, okay, okay, okay. So in recent years as well, people could also find you before Hot Day debuted earlier this year. On Adam Ruins Everything, you made a handful of appearances on the show along with Emily. Uh, what kind of went in that process? Was that like a favor for Adam, or what was the, the uh, working relationship there? Um, I know with... I, I'm try, I'm, I think it was just a matter of... Um, we had been in the sketches with Adam on the site and I think when Adam took it to TV I, I think that the reason he would keep us and keep characters like us like the kind of people who are the um, the mark I guess mm -hmm. uh, I, I, I think the reason for that is because if it was just you know Adam talking directly at camera and stuff you kind of need an audience surrogate you need someone there to kind of back and forth and humanize it otherwise it's um it ends up being just someone saying facts to you so i think that was important to adam and sort of the um 
what we added to the the web series, I think, um, you know, ended up helping in the TV show too. During your time at college, Schumer, did you meet Emily there, or were you guys already in a relationship prior to that point? No, we met at um, yeah, we met at College Humor. Um, we actually met when she was doing uh, she auditioned to be a voice for uh, Dinosaur Office, which mm-hmm. I don't know if you remember. Yeah, that was that a great show. Well, well short lived, but it was a great show. Yeah, thanks, man. So from there too, I know it was from a few years ago. It might have been the sketch with Mick Foley, maybe a little bit after that. Um, that I was, wa- I mean, I've been watching the college humor videos for a long time now, but it was shortly afterwards that I discovered your, uh, you discovered your wrestling fan from these videos. Like, holy shit, that's awesome. Uh, when did you start watching wrestling? What's your wrestling fandom background? My wrestling, my, my earliest memory of wrestling is watching it with my dad. And it was the, um, I don't remember specifically what match it was, but I know it was during the like Jake the Snake Macho Man feud mm-hmm. when um, Jake tied Macho Man to the ropes and uh, Damian bites him. Uh, so I remember that being very scary. I remember um, I remember watching a lot in like the early '90s. Like Bret Hart was my dude. Mm-hmm. Weirdly enough, I most of my memories from wrestling are kind of like before the Attitude Era. Really, wow. I watched. Yeah, I watched when, like, you know, later you read books and everything about, you know, this era of wrestling, and it's always just like, yeah, WWF almost went under, Uh, it was real bad times, ratings were terrible, and I'm like, that was my favorite time, (laughs) and Razor Ramon and everything. Um, Yeah, I remember one of my favorite wrestling moments was, and it, like, never gets talked about, but it's when um, Psycho said turns on Shawn Michaels. It was like Shawn Michaels' first face turn after he'd been a heel for a while mm-hmm. um, after leaving the Rockers. And Psycho Sid freaks out and he like power bombs him like ten times and then Diesel comes down and saves him. And it's like it was so shocking because Diesel was out here. I think it was uh, I think he was the champ at the time. So he's like this good guy coming out and saves his bad guy. But it totally made sense because it was like oh he used to be his bodyguard so he still has some like semblance of like friendly feelings towards him and that's mm-hmm. how Shawn Michaels turned face and I remember that that was awesome and I loved um, kind of pinnacle of wrestling for me is uh, Wrestlemania I think it was Wrestlemania 10 where Bret Hart beat Yokozuna and then uh, like all of the faces come out and put him up on their shoulders I was like a big fan of like the, like the cheesy like real goofy wrestling stuff it's great to hear that, and it's so refreshing, too, because like you said, I feel like the, the cliche answer is, oh, I started watching in the Attitude Era. I was a big Stone Cold Steve Austin fan, The Rock fan. And all that stuff is great. I'm not taking away from that, but it's great to hear from someone that you know was a primary fan during those that golden age, like you said, when ratings were down and the company was in the crap, whatever. And uh, they, you know, they had a lot of great stars, from Shawn Michaels to Bret Hart. You mentioned them all right there. Uh, and on that note as well, from a few years ago, you guys did a sketch on the channel with Mick Foley. What was that experience like for you? Oh man, um, it was it was great. I was that that's funny is um, by that point hardly working. I'd already been doing them for a while, and I was I was an okay performer by that point. But if you watch that video, I'm not very good at it because I'm <laughs> so nervous to be around Mick Foley. Mm-hmm. What always ends up happening anytime College Humor does anything with like any kind of wrestler or whatever, the other cast members 
you know, wouldn't have the same attachment, so they would kind of get to, like, you know, shoot the shit with them and everything because it's just like, oh, this is just some guy. He's cool. He's nice. Mm-hmm. And I would be so nervous. So, like, Mick Foley was, was so nice to us. He was great. He was really funny. Um, but, yeah, I, I probably talked to him way less than anybody else because I was just, you know, staring at him like, oh, that's Mick Foley. He's right here. <laughs> Uh, what other wrestlers did you guys have that have you worked with at College Humor? Now, we'll talk more about The Miz in a minute because I know you guys worked together on the Middle of the Night show for MTV. Um, aside from this, what, what were the other wrestlers that have appeared for College Humor that you had the uh, pleasure of working with? Trying to, I'm trying to remember somebody else's kind of video. I did, um, during my early days at College Humor, I did get to meet Stone Cold Steve Austin. Wow. Because um, we were, what were we doing? It was, we were at the Penny Arcade Expo, which is like a video game con. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it was in like 2009 or 2010 or something. We were doing a panel for the new Dorkly website. And we went down and we visited some friends who worked at the Harvard Lampoon. And they do like parties and they have guests of honor. And the guest of honor was Stone Cold Steve Austin. And um, so not only were we at like a party with him, but he was like the guest of honor. So it was just the writers of the Lampoon and, like, the handful of us that came with, like, the Dorkly crew. So it was, like, 15 people, and one of them was Stone Cold Steve Austin. <laughs> and um, once again, once again, I kind of blew my opportunity to, like, make friends with somebody. I was just being like, hey, man, you just shot the Expendables. That's cool. And just, like, <laughs> fanboying out and asking dumb questions and just kind of hovering around the edge. But, yeah, that was cool. And then... That's all I can remember off the top of my head. Well, like I said, you had worked with Miss too just recently in the past two or three years or so on the Middle of the Night show for MTV. And that one was especially entertaining to watch just because you guys in your respective fields are so over the top and crazy and put on these gray characters. It just had this awesome chemistry there, no pun intended. Uh, what was that experience like working with the Miss? Was he chill at all? Yeah, he was great. Um, I mean... Yeah, we did we did a bit with him that was like uh, some like Hulk Hogan type wrestler. We called him America Joe, who's just like covered in flags and everything. Uh, he comes down, he's his tag team partner in this tag team pillow fight against these two other guys who were um, uh, they're in part of like UCB's wrestling league and everything. So they're a huge wrestling fan. Um, and yeah, this was like super pumped to be a part of it. At the end, he like betrays America Joe and turns heel and everything, attacks me, takes the mic from me, and is like standing up on the bed and cutting a promo. It was really cool to see somebody who, you know, like, obviously he, everybody's seen his whole story. Like, he was on The Real World, and he, um, you know, was a huge fan then, and then he fulfilled his dream of becoming a wrestler. But just to see someone who, at this point now, has been in the WWE for, I mean, what is it, like 10 or 15 years? Like, mm-hmm. And he's still a wrestling fan and still has enthusiasm for it. And, you know, I think there's a lot of people who would have been put in that position to do, like, a stupid bit where they had to be pillow wrestlers and then turn heel. They would have just half-assed it. But, no, nah, he was full bore, so he was great. Yeah, it seemed like you guys had a great on-screen chemistry. Did you guys click right off the bat, or did it take time to kind of develop that chemistry throughout, you know, filming that show? 
I, I mean, again, it's just like one of those things where I'm always like a geek around wrestlers. <laughs> I always have like I always have a hard time like um, you know making friends and stuff. But um, no, with with um, Nick, he was just he was just super cool, and you know we 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 talked a lot too. Uh, he's a Cleveland Browns fan, and I'm a New York Jets fan, so um, we we commiserated about uh, having loser teams and stuff, and <laughs> yeah. A, a cool thing too about like having somebody on who, you know, I'm such a fan of their work and everything is that you know we've got that common bond of being wrestling fans and stuff. Speaking of which, I think one of my undoubtedly favorite videos of yours went up a few years ago, right before WrestleMania 31. That that could not have been a coincidence. I'm sure you guys did that by design because WrestleMania was coming up. Why wrestling fans hate wrestling, and I'm sure to other people it may not have made sense. But it, it got a pretty great response because it was so amazingly well done. Now, pretty much the premise of this video, for anyone who hasn't seen it, if you haven't, I implore that you do. It's pretty much who, who we are as wrestling fans, at least like internet fans and stuff like that. Like, we love wrestling, but we're the only ones that are allowed to hate on it. With, you know, Roman Reigns getting the big push and this or that. It was just such a great video. Uh, what went into the, the, the writing for that video? What was the idea behind it and filming it? Just tell me all about that experience. Um, I'm I'm trying to remember what year that was because I know because I I don't watch as much week to week, but I usually I, I, I try to watch the big pay per views. Mm-hmm. So that I think it was 2015, if came, I'm not mistaken. Okay, that video came after it was like two years of having because I always have like a Royal Rumble party where we have a bunch of people over and we draw numbers and everything and we bet on it. Um, and I know there was like two years of me having people over who weren't, who, who weren't really wrestling fans. They were kind of just, you know, coming over to bet and have a good time and joke around. And I would always be so pissed at the <laughs> end of it, and no one would understand why I was pissed. They're mm-hmm. like, why do you care that John Cena won? I was like, I got no problem with John Cena. He just doesn't need this push right now. He just <laughs> needs this. Like, just, like, freaking out about this stuff. And, um, yeah, so it's, it's I, I just thought it was really funny that the person who liked wrestling the most would end up being the angriest at the end of these pay-per-views. And everyone else would usually just have a pretty good time because they don't watch wrestling, so they would see, like, you know, cool physical feats, some cool stories, some shocking stuff, some wrestlers they've never seen before, and, you know, they go home. But the the wrestling fans, they're miserable half the time. (laughs) And so I kind of wanted to, I guess, make, make fun of that and make fun of myself a little bit. Yeah, it was great. Like I said, the timing was awesome. It went up right before WrestleMania, and you were bringing up a lot of relevant topics. And it could not have been more true either, because like you said, wrestling fans are miserable half the time. So I thought it was perfect. Uh, You said it before, but uh, you kind of keep up with the current product. You said you watch once in a while. Uh, What are your thoughts on the current product compared to when you first started watching over 20, 25 years ago? I mean, I think think it's awesome. And um, my, my kind of the time I was most in, in it was when I was when I was a little kid but then in college I got really back into it like um, I was really into like TNA when it was like AJ Styles and Christopher Daniels and um, Samoa Joe feud and when like it was like Petey Williams and Shark Boy and mm-hmm. Chris David and Alex Shelley and all those guys 
so I was really into like indie wrestling and everything. And well, I, I guess not indie. They were like the second biggest promotion or whatever. But you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. Um, and so to kind of see the two eras that I really loved about wrestling kind of come together now with like NXT and I and um, I feel like the WWE product is actually a little bit more now towards like what it used to be rather than like attitude era stuff and yeah I mean I, I think it's awesome I, I truly don't know why I, I don't follow week to week I think it's just I think I'm just a nerd about it like I always read up on it instead of watching which mm. is a, an absurd thing to do you're far from the only one who does that, though, because there's just so much content. It's very difficult for a lot of people to keep up, especially with there being three-hour Raws and two-hour SmackDowns and the four-hour pay-per-views and stuff like that. It's really hard to keep up on. But you mentioned TNA there, and it's pretty cool that you guys will be on the same channel. Now they're like Impact Wrestling. They've changed their company name like three or four times. And I think now they're GFW or something. But uh, when I saw you guys were going to Pop TV, I thought it was pretty cool because they were initially on Spike, and they went to Destination America and a few other channels, but... Currently, they're on Pop TV, and you guys will be on Wednesdays. They're on Thursdays. So, uh, were you aware of that at all? That you guys will be sharing the same channel with Hot D as uh, Impact Wrestling as TNA. And what's that kind of like for you, being a former TNA fan? I did see that. Uh, I, I think that's really cool. I think um, perhaps I'll try to uh, figure out some situation in the future where I can get thrown through a table or something. That's always <laughs> been my dream: is to like do what John Stewart did, but instead of like affecting the match positively just getting my ass kicked <laughs> by like a real low t- tier guy because that's that's what would happen right like comedians always and like you know they have celebrity death notes and everything they always like come out and they'll like you know i don't know like help beat somebody or like the guy from arrow will come and he'll win some tag team match but it's like no these guys are the wrestlers if i'm in a wrestling ring I should be getting my ass kicked, but I'd like to go on and get my ass kicked. <laughs> I've got an open invitation to kick my ass. That would be pretty cool to see. I think, it. you know what, it's very much possible because from what I've seen of, of TNA in recent months on Pop TV, there's a lot of synergy there with their shows. They'll constantly promote other shows on Pop TV. They'll bring in other people from other shows on the network. I think Shit's Creek might be a show on there. I'm not exactly sure. Yeah, uh, yeah, it is. That, yeah, Shit's Creek. They just debuted a new show. It's about some two muscled-up guys. Are you aware of that at all, or what it might be called? Um, is it, there's, there's a show called Swedish Dicks. Is it that one? That probably is it. They mentioned Swedish Dicks quite a bit. That might have been what it is, but they've brought in people from other shows on the network, on Impact, and they'll be in the crowd, or they might do an angle with one of the wrestlers. So, And Petey Williams just came back, so it's very possible we could see a, oh, uh, a Murphy and Petey Williams match maybe at the upcoming Bound for Glory pay-per-view. I guess we'll see. I'll, just take, uh, I'll come out, I'll, I'll be doing a, a promo for my show, everyone will be booing because I want to get back to wrestling. Petey Williams will come out and Canadian destroyer me, and then I'll just get taken out on a stretcher. That sounds glorious. Yeah, taking a Canadian destroyer would be pretty freaking sweet. And I don't know why wrestling fans do that. You just hit the nail right in the head. Every single time someone comes out to promote their show, they'll get booed. Wrestling fans are very weird. We talked about that before, but, you know, someone comes out to talk about their television show. But if it's not wrestling, they'll boo it. They're like, woo, woo, boo, we want wrestling. And then, but once you get your ass kicked, then I guess they'll start cheering again because it's back to what they want to see. (laughs) That's just the nature of the business. Uh, Have you ever been to any shows before? Yeah, I went to, oh, what was I, I went to, I, my first show ever 
was when I was in fifth grade. So I guess it was probably like 1995. I know the main event was Shawn Michaels versus Vader. It was at some pay-per-view. I can't even like find. It, it was when pay-per-views had like random names. Oh, like the In Your House like shows? Big, it wasn't even. It might have been In Your because they used to do In Your House colon and then have like a name for the event. Yeah. Yep. Yep. And it was like. It was like Big Bang the Boom or something like that. <laughs> it was yeah. it was really weird. It, it could have just been the name, like it could have just given a name to a tour or something. But I, I thought it was televised. Um, but yeah, I saw yeah, who was there? It was the Smoking Guns uh, went against the Godwins. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was when Smoking Guns were uh, heels. And then yeah, I know Shawn Michaels and Vader were um, the main event. And I'm trying to think what else. I've done a few house shows over the past few years, and I've been to Raw, I think, once. I went to Raw, I think, when I was in college in, like, 2008. So I've only been, like, five or six shows. All in the Los Angeles area, or having been here from, like, the... from Where were you originally from here, from the Northeast? Yeah, I'm from New Jersey. Oh, okay, okay. So I, I went... Oh, yeah, yeah, sorry, I go ahead. To, most of the ones I went to were in um, New York. Although, I, we also went to a house show. Because um, you saw New Day is going to be on Adam Ruins Everything. Or they were just on Adam Ruins Everything. Yeah, they were just on the thing this past week or the week before, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so Xavier Woods uh, is a fan of Adam and like hooked Adam up and got like a bunch of us tickets to a house show. And we sat like second row or something. It was, it was amazing. How could I forget about that? That's so cool. And when you get to see that, uh, what was who was on that show? Was it like a Raw show, a SmackDown show? Are you aware? Yeah, it was. Um, I think it was. I know it was like AJ Styles, Roman Reigns, and I don't remember who the third was in a triple threat match. Um, but yeah, it was the, the house shows now are like. I, I feel like back in the day. If you like went to a house show or something, or if you watched like a random episode of you know Saturday Night Main Event or something, it would be nothing near what like a pay per view is. Mm-hmm. And you know now they'll have like I've, I've seen like all these like John Cena cage matches and stuff, <laughs> and I'm like yeah. it, it's crazy that they have like the face of the company or something like jumping off a steel cage for a house show. Um, but that's that's what they do now. You got to take it to the next level. Exactly. I guess you just got to evolve with the business. Uh, as we wind down here, a few more questions. Your favorite wrestler of all time and currently, if they're the same person, I guess you can just combine the two. And currently from uh, what you've seen in recent years. I'd say all time, I, I'd go with either Bret Hart or Macho Man. Mm-hmm. I think Bret Hart wrestling-wise, I think Macho Man was kind of the perfect combination of everything. He had that, like, like there's just a, like, uh, I, I'm not like a huge Ultimate Warrior fan, but like you can't deny that he has this insane charisma and was a ridiculous person. And Hulk Hogan's right there with him, and Macho Man's right there with him, and they were these larger than life characters. But Macho Man was also an awesome wrestler, and that was like you know he just kind of got everything. And then Bret Hart, like I said, he's just very much so of a um, an era for me when it was like I was watching when I was a kid. The good guys were good guys. It wasn't these, like, shades of gray. Good guys weren't attacking each other or cheating or anything. It was just, you sat down, 
Bret Hart was going to be a good guy and he was going to win. And, you know, it was like this cartoon kind of version of morality and everything. And I, I liked that. And also from recent years, and, anyone who was... Oh, sorry, go ahead. And, and as far as recently, I mean, as, as someone who's a fan of AJ Styles um, years ago, mm-hmm. to finally see him in WWE and having all of the success, it's like, I mean, he's certainly my favorite wrestler in recent years. Yeah, AJ Styles is a good pick. I can't argue with uh, Macho Man or, Sean, or uh, Bret Hart, too. They're all great. All of them are great in their own way. Uh, from that said being too, favorite match that you've ever seen as a fan? Favorite match? Um, I would say, I mean, Macho Man Steamboat is obviously up there. and But my favorite match is probably Bret Hart and Bulldog from, I think it's SummerSlam 92. Yep. Is that the one where they closed out? Yeah, one, that is. Yep, you're right. Stadium. Yeah, that was, that was my favorite. And especially like hearing the backstory and everything, I'm like, the Bret Hart DVD and stuff about how Bulldog was like super hungover or something like that. But as you, <laughs> yeah. you watch the match and you do see him like whispering, like telling him like kind of what to do, but they just pulled off this brilliant match. And when you hear, you know, everything that went into it, um, yeah, and it was just like unexpected, like uh, Bulldog winning and it being in Wembley and all of the. Uh, it was like family drama and everything, and they had with Diana there. She was Bulldog's wife, right? And yeah, yep. red sister. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And they, they did the thing at the end where she had to like bring them together. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's great. Great Thank angle. Christmas. Great angle. Are you a subscriber of the network? Um, I go, I go in and out. Right now, I'm not, but I was. It was like two months ago. Basically, I Emily goes out of town, and I'm just like, I'm just gonna watch like. 10 wrestling documentaries and <laughs> two pay-per-views mm-hmm. and then I'm good for like a few weeks. Mm-hmm. So right now I'm right now I'm in my wrestling hibernation mode. That's great. That's great to hear. Well, final question for you. Every Wednesday is NXT on the WWE Network. You mentioned NXT earlier. NXT's uh, one of the best shows to have, even better than Raw and SmackDown. So if you're, if you're not currently watching Raw or SmackDown, I think NXT is the show to watch. The issue is that, I mean, it goes up on demand. Later on in the night, you can watch it pretty much anytime. But it airs Wednesdays at 8 o'clock, same time as Hot Date on Pop TV, debuting Wednesday uh, in November, the first week in November. So I got to ask you this. You got to give... Three reasons here uh, for wrestling fans, for them to tune into Hot Date. What do you got to say to the wrestling fans? Why should they tune into Hot Date? Okay. Over NXT. Number one. <laughs> <laughs> Number one. You got like nine hours of wrestling a week, guys. You only got like half an hour, maybe an hour if we do two episodes back to back of Murphy and Emily. So that's one right there. Number two. You got it. You wrestling fans are all about, you know, pushing these little guys, okay? We're the little guy here, okay? We're the mid-car guy that needs a push. So NXT's already doing really well. They got they got Triple H helping them out. They got the funding at the WWE. They're doing great. And you got, um, you know, you need you need a little sketch comedy in your life. You know, do you, you, you watch your wrestling, but you watch some other things. You gotta you gotta. Um, deviate from the norm there, get a little spice so that when you come back to the wrestling, you really appreciate it. So I would suggest you DVR NXT 
and watch it later in the night after we get you pumped for the start of the night. We're kind of the pregame, and then you can watch people kick each other's asses. That's perfect. I could not have said it any better myself. I think you, I think you hit the nail right on the head right there. you got to push the mid-carders. you got to give them a bit of a push. You guys are the Miz and Maurice of uh, Sketch Comedy. People got to check it out. The WWE. There you go. There you go. I like that. <laughs> That's one reason to watch right there because you guys are absolutely amazing with that, what you do. Uh, kind of steal from Chris Jericho, the best in the world at what you guys do. Uh, airing every Wednesday Thank night you. starting November 8th. No problem, man. A hot day on Pop TV. It's going to be a great show. People can check out the early episodes already on the College Humor YouTube channel. The episodes have been going up for a while now. Every uh, I think they air currently every Monday or Tuesday on the College Humor channel. Is that correct? Yep, every Tuesday. So the first few minutes of the show, people can check it out every Tuesday. Very entertaining. Very rarely does WWE do comedy right, but... Emily and uh, Brian do it just just perfectly. So definitely check it out. Like I said, every Wednesday, starting November 8th, 2017, hot day on Pop TV. Uh, so before we let you go, Brian, anything else we'd like to plug for the people? Uh, yeah, Emily and I got a book coming out in spring, but I'm, I'm sure uh, you'll see more of that on, on our online presence and everything when, when it gets time to promo that. But yeah, we got a show coming out, we got a book coming out in the spring. Very nice. What's the book going to be about? Uh, it's called Hey You Up for a Serious Relationship, How to Turn Your Booty Call into an Emergency Contact. <laughs> and it is a satirical relationship advice book uh, written by Emily and I as kind of um, borderline sociopathic relationship <laughs> experts. That's that is just phenomenal. Uh, one of the best book titles I think I've heard in quite some time. So for that alone, I'll certainly be checking it out. If I just saw the title and the fact that you guys didn't write it, even if I didn't see that you had, you know, in the byline, I'd probably buy it anyway. But knowing that you guys are writing it is certainly going to be a must buy. So uh, Brian, dude, I I really appreciate it. Thanks so much for your time. I'll definitely catch you down the road. Thanks so much, man. Once again, a big thanks to Brian for his time. Had a great time talking to him. I cannot wait for Hot Date to premiere. It looks like it's going to be an awesome show. NXT is going to have to wait. Sorry, NXT. Hot Date comes first. So, like I said there at the end of the interview, you guys can check out the show premiering on Pop TV, the same home as Impact Wrestling like we talked about, this coming Wednesday, November 8th at 8 o'clock Eastern, 7 Central. So anyway, guys, we'll move on here with the remainder of the hour talking all things WWE and Impact Wrestling it was quite the newsworthy week. I'm going to try to get through as much news as I can. I'm kind of glad all the news broke on a week where Raw and SmackDown weren't amazing. Uh, they were kind of sort of holiday-themed. We had a trick-or-street fight on Raw, which was pure garbage. Um, but anyway, SmackDown I thought was a solid show. NXT was good. So I'll talk a bit about each show at the end. But for right now, we got to talk about all the news coming out of this week from both WWE and Impact Wrestling, starting with the releases of Emma, Summer Rae, and Darren Young on Sunday morning, Sunday afternoon, whatever. So I was on my way to New York City to meet Finn Balor, uh, presented by Ringside Collectible, so big thanks to them for hosting the event. Um, I got my tickets a while ago. I was very much looking forward to it. And pretty much why I bring this up is because I found out about these releases while I was waiting in line, fucking soaked by the rain. So if you live in the Northeast, you know what I'm talking about. We had a really, really bad windy rainstorm on Sunday morning, pretty much all of Sunday. I thought, stupidly enough, that it was going to be only like in the morning and that it would kind of die down in the afternoon. Well, that wasn't the case. I waited in line for just about two and a half hours to just talk to Finn Balor for about 15 seconds. We got a great picture. I got his autograph. So it was a cool experience. I'm not saying I regret it. It was well worth it. Don't get me wrong. 
Um, but it was funny that I found out about the news while I'm standing in line with a rain jacket, an umbrella, and a poncho. And I'm still getting soaked. That just goes to show how bad the rain was on Sunday here in the Northeast. I lost power when I got home on Sunday night. It was around midnight. I was working on something and I lost power for like six or seven hours. And I just went to bed. I was like, fuck it, whatever. I can't really do anything in this. But at any rate, uh, my girlfriend had texted me about the releases. And the point I'm trying to get out here is that I was on the train to New York City uh, to this Finn Balor autograph signing when I found out about the releases. And when I found out about Emma and then Summer Rae and Darren Young... It was unfortunate, but I wasn't, like, all that surprised. Now, I talked more about it in my hashtag AskGSM video for this week on Wednesday, if you want to check it out, episode 205. I think, also, I should mention this, too. I was uploading the episodes of WrestleRant Radio to iTunes. I found out that WrestleRant Radio and hashtag AskGSM have the same amount of episodes. I did not know that until, like, just yesterday, which is super fucking weird. Not that it really means anything. But uh, we recently celebrated over 200 episodes of WrestleRant Radio. I didn't go all out for the uh, all out for the show. I don't think I don't even remember what the 200th episode was. <laughs> but I just found that out yesterday. I don't go by numbers. I go by dates for WrestleRant Radio. Anyway, so I found out about the releases. I wasn't all that surprised. Um, I went more in detail with Emma's release on hashtag AskGSM on Wednesday. It was one of those type of situations where she hasn't been used well for so long that. Are you really that surprised? Now, I know she she was used pretty prominently in recent weeks. She went for the championship in No Mercy, albeit in a fatal five-way, but she was still, you know, it wasn't her first pay-per-view match. I think she wrestled the WrestleMania 30. She's been in a few pay-per-view matches, but her first shot at the championship on the main roster, okay, that's also inaccurate because she went for the Divas title WrestleMania 30, but she was a part of the fatal five-way match at No Mercy. She wrestled Asuka in her debut match at TLC just last week, which... I wasn't a big fan of, I voiced my concerns to Tommy Shaw. Big thanks to him for coming on last week. We had a great conversation about TLC and everything else WWE, so check that out if you haven't already. Um, but I thought she had quit when I heard the news, and then I found out afterwards, based off her reaction on social media, that wasn't the case. Um, she will always go down as one of those women or superstars, men or a woman, doesn't matter, that was not used to their full potential. Now, that's a recurring story in WWE. is not always the case. It is more often than not with Emma. If you've ever seen her work before coming to the main roster in NXT from 2013, 2014, her arrival match with Paige at the first ever NXT live special was fucking amazing. It was one of the best women's matches I'd seen in years and years and years. And then her first main roster stint did not go well. She did nothing of note whatsoever. She was paired off with Santino Morella of all people, which was a complete waste of time. Could not tell you anything else she did that year. And then, um, what else did she do? Nothing. And then she got brought back down to NXT in the spring of 2015, reinvented herself as a heel. I didn't think it would work. She proved me wrong. It worked wonderfully. She got over great as a heel down there, working with Asuka and Dana Brooke and Bailey and Charlotte. And, uh, before getting called up again, uh, back around WrestleMania 32, uh, around WrestleMania 32 time. Now I was there when she got called back up to the main roster. Um, RJ and I were at a SmackDown taping in Boston when her music hit on like main event of all shows. I'm like, what the fuck? What is Emma doing here? And I was marking out. I was so happy to see Emma, but, uh, they never really used her right after that. I know she got hurt and before she got hurt last year that she was going to be paired off with Dana Brooke to kind of continue that pairing from NXT, 
but they didn't rekindle that friendship when she got back earlier this year. Now she had been cleared for a long time, but they were going to do the they were going to do the whole Emelina thing. That went nowhere. Reportedly, she wanted no part of it. Her heart wasn't in it. Would it have led to more opportunities? I'm sure it would have, but it just didn't fit Emma. Now she's hot as hell, but uh, the gimmick that she was doing down in NXT, where she was just a badass, you know, motherfucker knocking down people left and right with the glasses on and everything else about her attire, I thought was spot on. I thought it was great. So why move away from that? And I've said that before, like with Nakamura and Bobby Roode, what works in NXT can work on the main roster. Why would you move away from whatever worked in NXT? That was always my biggest question with Emma. And they started to do the whole, I started the Divas Revolution. I started the whole women's evolution trending on Twitter, blah, blah, blah. And they probably gave her that gimmick because they knew the writing was on the wall. Uh, reportedly, Creative did not like her because she complained on Twitter too much, which does not surprise me. And I said that months ago when she was buried by Nia Jax on Raw in the matter of a minute. I said, this is absolutely the treatment that she gets for going off on Twitter a few weeks ago or months ago, whatever, about not getting opportunities. And she was also on Twitter last year during the whole Sasha Banks-Charlotte feud saying that I deserve to be in this spot. I'm sick of seeing these two wrestle. Is it really any surprise that they were let go, that, that she was let go? Summer Rae did the same exact thing, and she hasn't been brought back to TV in over a year. Like, that wasn't all that surprising either. Darren Young, I like too. Unlike Emma, though, I feel like you really just did not have much left to offer. Like, they really did all they could with the guy. They tried to reboot him with the whole Bob Backlund gimmick. That went nowhere. That was on WWE, not Darren Young, because it seemed to be going well. He was getting over for a bit. And then the Miz match of Battleground 2016 ended in such anticlimactic fashion, and then he was pretty much dropped from Raw altogether after the whole fucking Titus O'Neil feud bombed. Surprise, surprise. And then he got hurt, and he hasn't been seen since. So the fact that he was cut does not surprise me. The fact Summer Rae was cut does not surprise me. Emma was a bit surprising, but a lot like Cody Rhodes, I felt like that it was only inevitable before she left on her own anyway, so her getting cut might be the best thing to happen to her. Now, unlike Cody Rhodes, she won't go on a Ring of Honor to become a world champion. It's There's just not as many opportunities for the women as there are for the men, unfortunately, in the wrestling world on the indie scene, but I think she could do very well for herself. She's a great wrestler. She knows her character. She knows herself, um, so whether it says Tennille Dashwood or... Dilemma, like that'd be pretty fun if she went as Dilemma on the indie scene. Probably not, but it would be pretty cool though. Anyway, um, I guess we'll see what the future holds for Emma going forward. Her release did disappoint me, but it wasn't all that surprising. So here is hoping she can find success outside of WWE. Speaking of releases, Impact Wrestling had a slew of releases in the last week. I mean, in the last two or three weeks alone, there were even more names that I didn't list here that are coming to mind, like... Um, Taryn Terrell took off recently, and that was a mutual parting of ways. I had read that she doesn't have her visa in Canada, or she's not allowed to work there or travel there because of the whole Drew McIntyre incident a few years ago, the whole uh, domestic abuse incident. So she's not allowed to work in Canada, which is really weird. Um, so that's why they let her go, and now that Impact Wrestling will be filming out of Canada for Bound for Glory and their subsequent television tapings, they said, bye-bye Taryn, it's not going to work out. So her... Impact return lasted all of two months. What a waste. Um, but she's far from the only one. In the last few weeks alone, we've seen Marshy Rocket, who, if the name doesn't sound all that familiar, he had been, I can't even say a staple. He was an occasional X-Division wrestler, and uh, he would show up every once in a while, and he was rarely ever on TV, so he was let go. 
Brian Hebner was a bit of a surprise. I only found out about that this morning. Uh, he was a referee for them, obviously the son of TNA Impact Wrestling Hall of Famer Earl Hebner. He's been there for close to a decade, um, I believe, along with his father. So, kind of surprised to find out that he asked and was granted his release. MJ Jenkins was one of their knockouts, barely made any television time, barely made TV. She wasn't all that good to begin with. She was like a worse version of Alicia Fox, in my opinion, and that's saying something, because I'm not a big Alicia Fox fan, and she's not all that good either, but MJ Jenkins was worse. But it was funny, because during the conference call that we had, I think it was the Impact Wrestling conference call a few weeks ago, it was either Gail Kim or Allie and Sienna. One of the two were conference calls, they were talking about the potential that MJ Jenkins had, and then she was just like, oh, so it's like... I don't know. Anyway, I just thought that was funny. Uh, Rockstar Spud, another surprising name gone from Impact. And again, that might have been a, a visa issue that was dating back to the Dixie Carter regime where they didn't sign his papers to work in, you know, elsewhere or his visa wasn't renewed and that was on Impact and that Rockstar Spud or Anthem. I'm not sure. Regardless of whatever happened, he's gone from Impact. And reportedly, WWE has interest, which is cool, to add him to 205 Live. Now, he's never going to be a world champion, so probably as good as it's going to get for him. Hideo Itami is a different story. I feel like he could go a bit further in WWE beyond the Cruiserweight division, but Rockstar Spud, whatever they want to call him, would be a great spot for him. And I said earlier this year, it'd be cool to see him in the UK title tourney. Um, he wasn't a part of that. I thought he would leave and be a part of it. It would have been cool. He didn't. But now that he is gone, it would be cool to see him either work with the UK guys or the Cruiserweight guys. Either way, I think he would uh, fare very well for himself. Reno Scum, another Impact Wrestling tag team gone from the company. They were granted their release. They have not appeared on TV in months. I think one of them got hurt, which is why they have not been on TV, but before they could even return, they're gone. Uh, Low-key, that's been pretty evident for months now that he's been gone from the company. I think it was only made official, though. He had asked for it, and it was granted, so he's gone. Eddie Kingston uh, had been barely on TV in recent months. He worked as a member of Scum. Reno, not Reno Scum, uh, what was it called? The DCC, I had the Reno Scum stuck in my mind from before, from a few moments ago. Eddie Kingston was a part of the DCC faction with James Storm and Bram, which went nowhere, um, and that was quickly scrapped, and he has not been seen since, so that wasn't surprising. Jeff Jarrett, obviously gone, I talked about that a bunch of times. Uh, they fired him, you know, parted ways with Jeff Jarrett, which is why now Impact Wrestling is Impact Wrestling, no longer GFW. And it, they're still calling it GFW because these tapings were... I mean, on TV they are. Because these tapings have been in the can for like a month or two. Well before Jeff Jarrett was let go. Uh, and they kind of moved away from him and they suspended him and later fired him. So it's a fucking mess. But anyway, Jeff Jarrett's officially gone. And Madison Rain's gone too. Uh, and I think that was one of the older releases about Madison Rain. She actually recently had a tryout at WWE Performance Center, which is really cool. So, hey, I wouldn't be mad at her joining the NXT Women's Division. They have a lot of great women now coming off the Mae Young Classic. But she's a talented woman. She was in Impact Wrestling for a long-ass time, close to a decade. So her leaving, getting a uh, fresh batch of opponents to work with. I know she's working some indie scene dates and stuff. She's actually working at some show over WrestleMania weekend. So I'm not sure if she was offered a contract. I guess not. But still, it was cool to see her get a tryout at WWE. It was funny. In the WWE.com press release talking about the tryouts, they mentioned her by her real name, um, but they said that she was a former champion all over the world, or the world-renowned Madison Rain. but they left no mention, had no mention of Impact Wrestling, TNA, GFW, whatever. I thought that was hilarious. 
Anyway, those are the latest releases from Impact Wrestling. Now, the next person who could be gone from the company is James Storm. Uh, reportedly, his contract is up in January of 2018, which makes sense because when he re-signed with them, it was in January of 2016 for a multi-year deal. Multi-year could mean two years, it could mean five years. Apparently, it means two years because his contract is coming up in January. Now, it's no secret that he wants back into NXT. Now, he revealed on the conference call that I was a part of, we actually aired my portion of the James Storm interview here on the show a few weeks ago, so... If you're listening on iTunes or WrestleRant Radio uh, on NextDayWrestling.net, whatever, check out the archives. It was from early October um, when I talked to James Storm. Really, really cool guy. One of my favorites uh, in Impact Wrestling over the last number of years. Anyway, though, he made it quite clear that he was looking at other options. He didn't outright say that he was leaving Impact Wrestling when his contract was up, but he said there's other things that he wanted to accomplish. And just based off his social media activity and just certain things, and not that he's saying, like, fuck Impact, but he left the first time for a reason. Like, he was left out of the bubble, and he only really came back to Impact the second time around, two years ago, because he had mentioned in the conference call his wife was pregnant, and he needed to be there for the baby, and he couldn't really do that if NXT was on the road. So, would there even be a spot for him in NXT nowadays? That remains to be seen, but I think there could be. I think they can make an exception. James Storm is a really, really good wrestler. They could bring him in as a trainer if they wanted to. That was the rumor initially a few years ago when he resurfaced, when he re, when he first surfaced uh, in NXT that he'd be a trainer, but then he came in for a few matches against Danny Burch and Adam Rose, and then he departed off to uh, Impact Wrestling again. But I would really hope that he's leaving. It looks like he is. I wouldn't be surprised just because... They haven't really done anything with him in the last number of years since he's been back in Impact. They reunited Beer Money, then Bobby Roode left. Um, He didn't really do much last summer. He formed the DCC, which was a complete waste of time. He turned back Babyface. Hasn't done too much since then. I know he went for the World Championship at one point earlier this year, and now he's forming an alliance with uh, EC3 and Eddie Edwards heading into Bound for Glory, which we'll talk about soon enough. But, uh... He has just done nothing. James Storm has been a whole lot of nothing in Impact, and I feel like he he does have a lot left to offer. He's in great shape. Why not just take off? Why not leave? It's not like he's going to be a main eventer ever again. If they were going to make him a main event player in Impact, they would have done it by now. Like, that's the point I'm trying to make. So, it's time for him to go. Selfishly, I would like to see him back in NXT. That might not be the case now that his kids are all grown up. Maybe he wants to be there for them more often. That wouldn't really work out if he was a part of NXT. But in my opinion, I do think he is NXT bound. Time will tell, though. Speaking of Bound for Glory, Impact Wrestling has their biggest show of the year this Sunday, emanating from Ottawa, Canada, the 2017 installment. So I'll give my quick predictions for the pay-per-view, starting with the aforementioned James Storm teaming up with Eddie Edwards and Ethan Carter III as Team Impact taking on Team AAA, El Hijo del Fantasma, Pagano, and Tejano. Gotta go Team Impact here. I mean, how do you not have your own homegrown guys go over in this match? Uh, I mean, I guess they could have Team AAA go over to further that relationship, but I figured that when these guys were brought in, it was only in a short-term deal, so I imagine Team Impact wins here. Rosemary versus Taya Valkyrie in a red wedding match, which I would assume is a first blood match. Uh, they kind of teased that on a recent episode of Impact after their initial encounter, which was won by Taya, which is why I think that Rosemary is winning this one. Abyss taking on Grado in a Monsters Ball match with James Mitchell by Abyss's side, which is really cool. His old manager from a long-ass time ago, about 10 years ago, but it's cool to see him back. The stipulation being that if Grado loses, 
His work visa will be terminated and he must leave the United States. So unless he's the latest person gone from the company, um, I think Grado wins here by some miracle. Moose and Stephen Bonner versus King Mo and Lashley in a Six Sides of Steel tag team match. Um, I guess they could have Lashley and King Mo win, but King Mo, or I guess he could get pinned here. I guess you can escape. I don't really know. But I do think the babyfaces win. Moose and, and Bonner uh, pick up the victory in this match. A three-way knockout championship match between Sienna, Allie, and Gail Kim. Gail Kim has hinted that her career is coming to an end sooner rather than later. Um, I guess they could give her the championship on the way out, but didn't they tell a similar story last year, though, when she beat Maria for the belt? And then she dropped the belt, like, fucking, like, two months later. So what was even the point, you know? Um, and it is in her native Canada. I'll, I'll say Gail Kim wins. I don't really need to see her as champion again. I like Gail Kim, but it's like we saw the same thing last year. So I think they'll give her one off, uh, one last run as champion before she retires. So I think Gail Kim wins. I didn't even mention the other two. It's Allie and Sienna, so... Um, I guess Allie could win. She's from Canada too, but I think Gil Kim is picking up the victory here. For the Impact World Tag Team titles, it's a 51-50 straight fight between the defending champions Ohio versus Everything, OVE, and the Latin American Exchange, LAX. I don't know why they took the belts off LAX to begin with. They were so hot and they still are. They're a hot act. Why would you take the titles off them? OVE, they're fine. They just do nothing for me. They just bore me to tears, so... I think LAX wins here. It's their own stipulation. I'd be shocked if they didn't win. Uh, I do think they do pick up the win here and regain the tag titles. Trevor Lee, Desmond Xavier, Garza Jr., Matt Seidel, Petey Williams, and Sanjay Dutt in a six-way match for the X Division Championship. Um, One of those matches that has no storyline support and was just randomly thrown on the card. <sighs> of all these guys, Sanjay Dutt was already champion. Um, Matt Seidel, I could see him picking up the win. Trevor Lee, I doubt would retain, but I guess I could see that happening. Desmond Xavier, they've done nothing with reason. Like Garza Jr.'s gotten more of a push. I'll go with Petey Williams for the same reason I went with Gail Kim, just because he's from Canada and he has yet to regain the gold since being back in Impact. So I'll say Petey wins here. And then the main event, Eli Drake versus Johnny Impact for the Impact Global Championship. Uh, I think Impact wins here. Uh, Johnny Impact, I, I hate the fact they call him Johnny Impact, because it's so fucking confusing, but they already had a match in Impact a few months ago, I think the Victory Road uh, edition of, uh, of Impact Wrestling, and Drake won with interference from Adonis, so I think Adonis either gets knocked out here early on, or he's banned from ringside, you have the same match with the same finish, that makes no sense, I love Eli Drake, I would love for Drake to win here, I don't think he is, and I like Johnny Impact, but uh, it just kind of goes to show that, that Impact is going to put over the new guys over their homegrown talent over and over and over again. But anyway, uh, I think Impact will win the championship here. And also Alberto El Patron will be back at Bound for Glory. What he has in store, I have no idea. And honestly, I don't care. So before we move on to my quick thoughts on Raw and SmackDown from the past week, we already, I think, are well past the hour mark on today's show. But nonetheless, uh, quick news from Raw's 25th anniversary it's going to be held from both the Manhattan Center in New York City and the Barclays Center in Brooklyn. So I'm not exactly sure how it's going to work out. Tickets go on sale tomorrow. I'm going to try to pick some up. I would love to be there for either one of these shows. Uh, the Manhattan Center is fucking great. I love both arenas. The Manhattan Center is where Impact had... The, I mean, obviously that was where Raw had their first ever show 25 years ago. But I was there for two Impact shows. One in August of 2014 a TV taping, and another TV taping, their debut on Destination America in January of 2015. 
That second show was awesome. Was one of the best shows I've ever been in attendance for. Not only TNA, but like any wrestling show ever. It was so much fun. It's a great arena with awesome acoustics. Would love to be back there for that. Again, I don't know if they're going to be airing the show from there first and then going to the Barclays Center. I'm not exactly sure. Um, but even if I'm not at the Manhattan Center, I would love to go to Barclays for the show. It looks like it's going to be a star-studded event. Here is hoping it's not half as disappointing as the uh, 13th or the 20-year uh, anniversary show they did back in January of 2013, which I hated. If you go back and listen to my rants on that show, my written reviews, my my uh, wrestle rant reviews, whatever, from years and years ago, from right after they aired, I was pissed about how disappointing that show was. So I would imagine they'll do this show better since it is the, you know, the... Uh, Silver? The Silver Anniversary? Is that what it's called? The Silver? I think. I don't know. The 25th Anniversary of Raw. Um, I'm excited to be there for it. Hopefully, if I can grab tickets tomorrow. And that's it for all the news that I can think of in the last number of days in the world of wrestling. Uh, quickly, before we sign off, Raw, SmackDown, and NXT. Raw, I did not think was a great show. Very newsworthy show. But just not a great show. I thought the third hour fucking dragged beyond belief. One of the worst hours of TV I've seen in quite some time. Um, but I thought The Miz versus Matt Hardy for the IC Championship was a very good match. I thought Finn Balor and Cesaro had a good match. Uh, the Turker Street Fight, like I said earlier, was pure garbage. The Women's Championship main event was eh, but I think the show is really anchored by the returns of Stephanie McMahon, which I couldn't give two shits about why she's back. I have no idea. Maybe it's just that time of the year again for a Survivor Series and for Raw and SmackDown a feud. Like, who cares? I mean, she is no longer necessary to be a part of this show. She brings down the show much more than she helps it. So I really hope this is only a short-term thing, but I fear that it's not. So she's back. Nia Jax returns, squash Bailey. Samoa Joe is back finally. Great to see him back, squashing Apollo Crews. And Braun Strowman resurfaced from a garbage truck at the end of this episode, taking on Miz and Miz Thiraj. So that was a, that was a sight to say, but uh, it was a cool moment to close out the show. People were super into Braun seemingly a babyface now um but yeah a, a fine show nothing too great but the returns did make it newsworthy nonetheless smackdown on halloween night on uh, not the most halloween themed show which might have been for the better which was probably what made it a good show um they had a main event with shinsuke nakamura taking on kevin owens to qualify uh, to qualify for team smackdown at survivor series really good match nakamura won Another really good match, another SmackDown Live qualifying match, Team SmackDown Live qualifying match for Survivor Series, a two out of three falls match between Bobby Roode and Dolph Ziggler, really, really good match, far better than any of their other encounters, Bobby Roode won. What's next for Ziggler? I wrote about it in an article for HiddenRemote.com uh, backslash WWE just today, actually, about why this loss should mark the beginning of the end of Ziggler's WWE tenure. He just has nothing left to offer. There's nothing left to accomplish, nothing left to offer. It's time for him to go. Whenever his contract expires, I have a very bad feeling he will he will resign, but I really hope he doesn't because I think he has much more to offer elsewhere, but time will tell, I suppose. So those were two really, really good matches. The rest of the show was fine. Baron Corbin and Sin Cara didn't really care about it. Um, AJ Styles and Samir Singh lasted all of 30 seconds, and Rusev and Big E was fine too. Uh, Shane McMahon did name himself the captain of Team SmackDown at Survivor Series. So, as of right now, the teams for the big five-on-five men's match. And for the women's match, I think it's just uh, Becky Lynch. Oh, we already know the women's team for, for SmackDown. We know it's Becky Lynch, Naomi, Charlotte, uh, Tamina, and Carmella. 
And then on the women's side for Raw, it's Alicia Fox as the team captain and Nia Jax for right now. So for the men's match on SmackDown, we got Shane McMahon as the captain. He wrestled last year too, so it's cool to see Shane back in the ring so often, so frequently now. We got Shane. We have Randy Orton, Shinsuke Nakamura, and Bobby Roode, four baby faces, and soon to be, I would imagine, AJ Styles on next week's show. For Raw, only so far we have Kurt Angle as the team captain, which is pretty cool that he'll be wrestling again at Survivor Series. The same pay-per-view he debuted at 18, uh, 17, yeah, 18 years ago, which is really cool. Um, teaming with Braun Strowman. That's all that's known about Team Raw so far. So that was Raw and SmackDown for the week. Uh, quick thoughts on NXT, another good show. Nikki Cross beating Tainara Conti, or Conchi. That's what Mora Ranallo was calling her, so maybe you pronounce it Conchi. I thought it was Conti. That's how you would phonetically spell it, or say it, pronounce it, whatever, but apparently it's Conchi, but Nikki Cross beat her. That's all we need to know. Fabian Eichner beating Johnny Gargano in a really fun match. Was not expecting that, but I love the story they're telling with Johnny Gargano and how he cannot win, not even when it matters most. He just can't win at all. So I love the story that they're telling with him because he's a great underdog. People rally behind him regardless. Ahead of Tom, uh, Tommaso Ciampa's eventual return, which has to be happening, I would imagine around WrestleMania time. I think the timetable was about nine months, so he could be back around January, if not around Mania time, so we'll see, but uh, looking forward to that. Andrade Cien Alamas attacking Drew McIntyre to confirm the NXT Championship match between the two at TakeOver War Games, and speaking of such, the main event, Sanity, successfully defending their NXT Tag Team titles against Authors of Pain via a non-finish, a no-contest, after the Undisputed Era made their presence felt, Roderick Strong came down, helped uh, take out Undisputed Era, with the help of Authors of Pain. So all this chaos is going down, and NXT GM William Regal announcing that at NXT TakeOver Houston, it's going to be a War Games match to a big pop from the crowd between those three trios, Sanity, the Authors of Pain, and Roderick Strong in the Undisputed Era. So that should be a great match. Very much looking forward to that show over Survivor Series weekend. Much more excited for that show currently than I am for Survivor Series, but... uh. Nonetheless, should be a very interesting weekend coming up later this month. And that's it, guys. That's all I got from the world of wrestling. Uh, from Raw, SmackDown, NXT, WWE in the Hall, Impact Wrestling, whatever. Thank you guys for listening to the show per usual. Once again, huge thanks to Brian for coming on the show. He was a fucking awesome guy to talk to from both a wrestling standpoint and a comedy sketch writer standpoint. You can check out his new show, Hot Dates, starring both himself and Emily this coming Wednesday on Pop TV at 8 o'clock Eastern, 7 Central, Wednesday, November 8th, once again. That being said, guys, one more cheap plug. Like I said earlier, if you haven't already subscribed to this very show on iTunes, go to the Apple Podcast app on your phone, type in WrestleRant Radio, and hit the subscribe button. You will get new episodes as soon as they're uploaded. Like, how awesome is that? You can get the episodes within seconds, fucking seconds, for the first time ever. And if you're not just only content with that, you can check out every archived episode ever, dating back to the show's debut in October of 2013. If that's not a steal of a deal for free, by the way, which is obvious, I would never make anyone pay you to listen to the show, then I don't know what is. So be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to WrestleRant Radio on iTunes today. All that being said, folks, we'll be back next Thursday with another all-new episode of WrestleRant Radio. Got a very special guest in the works to help me break down the week of WWE. And then the week after that, for the go-home show before Survivor Series, 
Fingers crossed, RJ Marceau, Mr. Marceau himself, will be back on WrestleRant Radio on his birthday, no less, to help me break down Survivor Series and NXT TakeOver War Games that coming weekend. So very exciting times here on WrestleRant Radio, guys. As always, thank you for listening. I'm Graham G.S. Matthews, and I'll catch your ass down the road. <laughs>